0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris.
1: And my name
0: is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 548, recorded on Monday, September the 20th, 2021. Welcome to the program, everyone. Welcome, Jason. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing fine. It's election day in this fine country of ours. It is indeed federal election day in
0: Canada. So if you are listening to this, it's too late to vote in case you didn't vote, but hopefully you did. Hopefully everyone got out and voted today. And in fact, depending on how things go tonight and when you're listening to this, you may not even know the results of the election yet, right? Because from what I've heard Um, there's a lot more mail-in voting this time around because many people don't want to go out to the polls and things like that. So they're saying that it is going to take longer than usual to tally all the votes, count everything up and potentially longer than usual to declare the winner in this, uh, Canadian federal election. So we'll see how it goes. But I do want to say, I hope the election turns out exactly how it should
1: uh as as do i i did, i know the media has been telling me for weeks that uh i will have to go farther to an, uh, a polling place this time but uh, my brain didn't think about it that like grabbed the car left the house started driving to the my local where the polling place usually is and i'm like that doesn't seem very electoral let me pull over and check the address fuck fucking kilometers away <laughs> i mean it, instead of taking taking a minute or 37 seconds to drive to my, what's usually my local polling place. I had to drive for almost two whole minutes, maybe even four. I wow. wasn't counting. Wow. But uh, it took a it took, uh, took longer and I was, I was a little annoyed, I got to tell you. But you did it. And that's the most important thing. You went and you voted. Oh, yeah.
0: You uh, made your voice heard in our democratic system. So that's great. Uh, I voted last week in one of the early polls because... Like you, my normal voting uh, location is a school just down the street from us. I walk there to do yeah. it normally. But this year, they're not doing any voting in schools because of the pandemic and stuff like that. They don't want all these random people showing up at schools where children are. So um, I voted early because when I got my voting card for this election, it listed a steak restaurant on oh wow. a nearby you know, high street, as they would say in uh, in the UK. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. It's small. This is a very dense neighborhood, so there's going to be a lot of people going there to vote. I think if I wait till Election Day, it's going to be a long line and an annoying situation. So I decided to vote early at one of the advance polls, and it was great. Nobody was there. Uh, I didn't have to wait at all. I was in and out in under 10 minutes. It was awesome.
1: Was it the fire pit or whatever? That's Firefly. What's the name of that place?
0: No, no, it was a place. Uh, it wasn't any of. It was a place that probably wasn't there when you lived in this neighborhood some time ago.
1: Yeah, because there was a there's a good steak place on Young just near you, or was at least.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean there still are. Um, not well, the place that you and I went to a long time ago together, maybe what you're thinking about, that's not there anymore. No, that's too bad. Yeah.
1: It was like fire something, something fire pit, firefly, fire, charcoal, cold, fucking steak.
0: I don't recall now, to be honest, but. uh, Steak
1: Mahones. It could have been steak (laughs) Mahones.
0: That's it. Steak (laughs) Mahones. Yeah. So anyways, that's all done. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. I was watching the election on TV until we decided to record this podcast and I turned it off, prioritizing things. So here we are.
1: I I voted and then promptly forgot all about it until you mentioned that you were watching the election. And I thought, oh yeah, there was was an election.
0: (laughs) As long as you remembered earlier to get out and vote, which you did. So there you go. All right, Canada, let's do the right thing. Anyhow, it is this podcast today, and we are here to talk about season 11, episode 5 of The Walking Dead. So Jason, how about without any further ado... Let's get into it. Surely. Will Madison
1: rise out of the ashes? Oh, 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 ow, ow, hot, 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 ow, ow. oh, oh. Wow, oh, where'd you get that? Uh, Just out of the fire there, out of the ashes. Out of the ashes. Is it just me, or did the show miss a golden opportunity to call episode four, Into the Fire, and episode five, Out of the Ashes? Swing a miss.
0: Out of the um. um. All right. Thank you to Aaron and Sydney, Daniel in the UK, Scott in Ontario, right here, and Vince in San Jose, California, for those title reads. Vince had an assist there from Celine Dion. Now I don't know; it, it happened pretty quick, Jason. So I don't know if you caught Vince's title read.
1: Was I did catch it? Uh, the edit was seamless.
0: Oh, good, good. I thought so too. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I barely, I barely noticed. I had to. Uh, I was like, hey, did, was there an edit there? And I- that seemed nah that's probably just fine.
0: Yeah, well I mean Vince he he added a word to Celine Dion's delivery uh, and I thought it was great. So thank you to all of you for those great title reads. And a- and, and to Aaron Celine Dion. And to Celine Dion, yes. And Aaron the first one in Sydney uh, mentioned Madison. So I think he's either got the wrong show or he's doing a you know a deep cut reference to Fear the Walking Dead. Probably I would say that's likely, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Thanks, you guys, for that. This is Out of the Ashes, Season 11, Episode 5, and we open with a shot of the moon. Full moon, I guess. Uh, Was it a full moon? You have the video in front of you. I shouldn't have said that if I wasn't
1: sure. Well, I don't know. Yeah, full moon. Okay, full moon. It looks pretty round. Good. I have a hard time telling if it's just a little bit slivery. Okay. But it's mostly full. It's fullish Full-ish moon.
0: We are with Aaron and Gracie. They're in the woods. They appear to be lost. They encounter a walker. And then all of a sudden, there's another person with a W carved on his forehead. That's a wolf. Yep. And then all of a sudden, we hear some whistling, and there's a savior in the woods. And then there's somebody wearing a zombie mask, so there's a whisperer. And suddenly Aaron and Gracie are surrounded by all these former enemies or antagonists of the show. So Aaron kills the walker, but suddenly Gracie disappears and the others close in on Aaron around him and start stabbing
1: him to death. So I knew it was a dream as soon as I saw the, the, the walker. uh, sorry, the whisperer. The Whisperer or the Wolf with the W? The Whisperer. The Wolf, I because the Wolf, it was the Wolf then the Whisperer. And uh, I was like, what the f- hell is that guy doing there? And then it was a Whisperer. I'm like, oh, it's a dream. Right. And the other thing I noticed
0: too is there, there are a lot of red colored trees around in this scene, right? Which reminded me of Fear the Walking Dead, that episode where um, there are a bunch of sort of reddish pink colored um, trees and stuff like that, which- right also in that show was used to indicate uh, a dream or a dreamlike state, right? Yeah. So it seems to be a Walking Dead thing that they do that. Now, um, after a very fast cut of Maze, the Terminator, in Aaron's episode, he screams stop in the dream. And then Aaron wakes up, Gracie is safe in bed beside him, and he goes to put on his metal hand.
1: Yeah, it was huge. Did The hand looked very, very big to you. It looked very big to me.
0: Well, it didn't jump out at me as being enormous, but I mean, if you're going to have a fake
1: hand, <laughs> maybe it's just going to be big, bigger than a normal hand. Well, it's, it looked absolutely massive. I'm looking at my hand going, my hand's not that big, and I got fairly big hands. I mean, my hand span, uh, I don't know if you've measured your, uh, your, your splayed hand from tip of your thumb to the tip of your pinky finger, but mine is exactly nine inches. Oh, really? It's made it very handy in my adult life to be able to estimate measurements, knowing that my span is nine inches. My thumb is exactly, no, sorry. The width of my hand is three inches and the knuckle, uh, the end of my thumb to the first knuckle is one inch. It's very handy to know that kind of shit when you're, uh, trying to measure things. Because then you can also go, uh, how big is that? Is that 18 inches? Yeah, it's about two hand spans. I know that's 18 inches.
0: Well, now I want to measure my hand because I've been measuring nine inches with some other part of my
1: body. Hands would be well, a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's PC and uh, you can measure things in public. <laughs> there you go. That w- yeah.
0: would make life a lot easier. I'm gonna try that. Yeah, I done. mean,
1: I've I've gone into uh, into subway shops uh, many a times in my life, wanting to truly measure to see if they're a foot long, <laughs> but it's not really appropriate to do that in the uh, in the restaurant. So I, I've never gotten around to it. So you just use your hand instead. Well, it's longer than nine, nine inches. I know that, but I, I, I I'm not really sure if it's a foot long or not.
0: <laughs> I hear <yeah. laughs> Okay, Uh, anyways, on that note, um, yeah, they wake up. Now we cut to uh, Jerry, and he's tiptoeing through a bunch of sleeping people in one of the houses. They're just all over the place. So uh,
1: I guess everybody's uh, holed up in one house, right? Everybody's in the same house.
0: Well, let me ask you that question, because yes, the walls are uh, partially, like Alexandria is partially destroyed. I guess some yeah. of the houses are burned down. The walls aren't in great shape. So they've moved everybody into one of the houses that is still standing. Is
1: that what's going on? I guess. I would I would assume so. I mean, it's not a bad idea to keep everybody together. Or maybe it's not one house. It's probably too many people for one house, but they're sleeping all over the place, right? They're sleeping on the floors and whatever crevice they can find. Yeah. And I mean, I've been to that party and it's not a lot of fun <laughs> to be sleeping in a doorway. Uh, but that's the only spot on the floor you could find at yeah. three o'clock in the morning and you need to go to sleep. You need to go to sleep. Right. Yeah. Good point. So, uh, yeah, I would assume that they're, everybody's kind of holed up together for safety. I mean, Which makes it makes sense because, you know, we have a situation that happens in a second, uh, in a second that, uh, is really handy not to have everybody spread all over the goddamn place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It does safety in numbers. Right. And if there simply is no other room. I I suppose it does make some sense, but Jerry's tiptoeing through them. He's on his way to the bathroom to pee. And as he's doing that, he takes a look out the window and sees a walker inside the walls inside Alexandria. So he realizes Mm -hmm. that they have breached the wall. He wakes everybody up. Uh, We get a quick shot of Aaron telling Gracie to go into the basement and stay there and hide. And then the rest of the adults all start running outside and fighting off the zombies a group of them are trying to push the wall back up uh, while the rest of them kind of kill zombies. They get the wall back up, but Aaron has a close encounter with one of the zombies just before Jerry sledgehammers it. And uh, before we go to the opening credits, we see the walkers all gathering sort of against the outside of the makeshift walls around Alexandria.
1: Yeah. So I guess the wall fell down. They It looked like they were the hooks. They're... They kind of put a bar up, uh, in order to hold that section of the wall in, uh, and that bar sat on a couple of metal, um, just bent metal hooks. Yep. Right. And I guess the, uh, the metal hooks were, uh, pushed over, like you put enough pressure on them, the metal hooks will bend. So that's, uh, that's what happened. Uh, so they were hammering them back in place and there was one guy, uh, sledgehammering a metal hook before they even got the wall up. He was sledgehammering the, the hook and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Until later on, it realized what the hell he was doing and it made sense.
0: Yeah. I was a little confused about that too, because there were guys, as you said, just hammering these, these hooks in, but it, um, I, I wasn't sure exactly how that was holding the wall in place. Those... Well, it's
1: like a it's like when you bar a door, right? You yeah. close the door, and it's got these metal hooks on the back, and you put the bar in the metal hooks, and it closes. It holds the door door closed.
0: The the hooks are on the wall, like outside of the door frame, right? So yeah. that they're secured to the wall, and then the bar is just blocking across the door. So same yeah. concept, okay?
1: Same concept, but the hooks weren't strong enough. You put enough pressure on them, the hooks all bent down, mm-hmm. and the wall came in, came flapping in. So yeah. They had to fix it. I don't know if just hammering the hooks back into place. I mean, you bend a piece of metal enough, it's just going to break off. So, uh, you know, you better fix it. Like, don't just put it back up and go, "Whoo, that was close. That fell down for some reason. It's fine now though. Exactly the same way it was before, only a little bit weaker. It's fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the moment, you just got to get the wall back up, but let's hope they spend some time repairing it coming up in the future.
1: You know, there's trees lying around. Mm -hmm. Inside, cut a tree down, put a stick up, like jam it into the ground, jam it against the wall. You're good. (laughs) Sure. Use the, use the resources you have around you, I guess. Yeah. Move one of the houses up to the wall, just park it right up against the wall there. You'll be fine. Sure. No problem. That's easy. You, You can drive your house around, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, you know, I drive my house around all the time. I'm sure you do. Park it across the street in the park. I think that's lovely when uh, we can we can park there.
0: It's nice, you get, you get away for a weekend, just park your house across the street instead of just walking over there, it's really nice. You don't even yeah, have yeah. to leave home. Yeah, cross the
1: street like a chump, forget that.
0: Right. Okay, so we do the opening credits and when we come back, we are in this Commonwealth orientation video that we saw a little bit of in the season 11 trailer from Comic-Con. And it looks just like I remember it. It's this sort of 80s style VHS video. It is intercut with Lance Hornsby, who is credited as the Director of Operations for the Commonwealth, and he's welcoming people. So he, you know, we see a bunch of shots of, I guess, the Commonwealth. He mentions Governor Pamela Milton, so she's in charge. He says things like, everybody's assigned a job to keep the community thriving. And he reveals that there are 50,000 people strong, which is a pretty significant number of people.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fair number of people. In one place in the uh, in the orientation, there was a, uh, it got distorted a little bit and he said, this orientation will help you get started. When I thought he said, disorientation will help you get started. Huh. And I thought that was great until I realized that I had misheard him.
0: So oh he, no. It's too bad. That is pretty good. But overall, I mean, this video is supposed to make it look like a pretty great place and he kind of finishes it with, Community with saying this community caregiving security that's the Commonwealth way, which to me sounds like a slogan. What do you think?
1: Well, that, of course that's a slogan. Okay, it's the Commonwealth. Slogan. What I want to know what I want to know is where did you get that fine tailored plaid jacket? Well, like, where, where do you even get that? With
0: fifty thousand people there, there's bound to be somebody who is an expert in the sartorial arts and can make him a jacket, right?
1: Oh, did they make the cloth? Why they not? Find the cloth? Maybe. Nice
0: polyester blend. That'll survive the apocalypse. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, hey, I have something here from Scott.
1: Holy crap. Did anybody else get serious Lost vibes from the Commonwealth's video? Uh,
0: so Scott is suggesting that the Commonwealth video is uh, a little bit similar to maybe some of the Dharma Initiative videos in Lost. And I, I didn't think of it at the time, but I can see the comparison there.
1: Well, the Dharma Initiative, uh, all those uh, video or videos, they were on film; they were uh, film reels, whereas this is obviously a videotape. So <laughs> it's completely different. <laughs> totally different. Then
0: forget it. There's no similarity. Sorry, Scott, you're all wrong.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're absolutely wrong. It's uh, it's completely different. All right. Well, let's move on. So
0: our gang of characters that are at the Commonwealth were watching this video, and. They are now assigned jobs because we know they've been welcomed in. So this is their assignments. Eugene is assigned a high school teacher. Princess is going to be a retail clerk, but she also gets her $2 bill back, which makes her very happy. Ezekiel is assigned into animal control because as we know, pre-apocalypse, he was a zookeeper. And Yumiko doesn't really have a job assignment. Instead, she has a letter inviting her to meet and discuss opportunities um, with uh, the Office of State Affairs for the Commonwealth. Yeah, she's going
1: to be food. Please come and enjoy a culinary opportunity, uh, <laughs> which would benefit the the, uh, the Commonwealth greatly. How to serve
0: man? Uh, <laughs> she's. This is a Soylent Green situation, maybe. Yeah, they eat people. You, you don't think so? <laughs> I mean, they got to eat something. There's fifty thousand of them for crying out loud. Yeah, we don't need that many. Well. Um, Eugene says that, you know, he, he looks at all these assignments. He says they're not really here to work. Instead, he they are there to find help for their people. So they come up with this plan to kind of split off to try to see what they can learn. Uh, Ezekiel and Princess are going to go do one thing. Um, Eugene is going to go and find Stephanie and meet with her. And Yumiko, because she's a lawyer and maybe she has access to whatever happens at the Office of State Affairs, she's going to go and look into that. So she says to the guy that's in there that she has a family member that she needs to find in the Commonwealth.
1: Yeah. If you were uh, brought into the Commonwealth, and I assume that you would be accepted uh, past the, uh, the first barrier there and would see the orientation, what would your job be? Uh, what would, job would you be assigned? Do you think
0: me personally, based you on personally? Well, I mean, based on what I do now, I can't see a real need for that kind of service.
1: Well, that's the thing. Me neither. So I'm
0: I'm looking for tips here. So I mean, I can dig a ditch. That that might work. No, I couldn't do that. Uh, I mean, you know, later we see people working in a bakery, bake shop. I don't think I'd want to do that. I. I'm not my kids. They're the bakers in the family. I don't know. Um
1: tree trimmer, maybe? Oh, well, that'd be all right. Tree trimmer. Uh I'd be somewhere probably in between I, I could probably do a middle management job. Yeah. Uh just kind of shuffling papers around, uh, making sure that other people's papers papers are properly shuffled. Uh, and then I would summarize uh the the shuffled papers to my superior who would shuffle his own papers, uh-huh, aggregated paper shuffling up the chain until uh until the you know the head person what's her name uh she has her piece of paper that she can shuffle around her desk. the head
0: person of the commonwealth
1: milton Pamela Milton, yeah Pamela milton, thank you all right, so you're uh, a paper it's shuffler. either that yeah, it's either that or lunch, oh sandwich maker, yeah. No, no, I would be lunch. Oh. Like, uh, <laughs> obviously there's a soil and green situation going on, so they need people to be food. Uh-huh. Like software developer, you're food. Like, what good are you in, in this post apocalyptic world? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean,
0: I I'm pretty handy around the house, so you know, maybe I could be like general maintenance. That would be okay. I wouldn't mind doing something like that. You know, you need your, uh, you need your windows washed. Sure. Call me. You need, uh, you need a toilet installed. I can do that kind of thing. Call me up.
1: Yeah. My, my primary purpose around the house, uh, as a fix it guy is, uh, to, to walk around the house and, uh, confirm that whatever is broken <laughs> is broken and we should call somebody.
0: Okay. You don't do any yep, of the fix- that's broke.
1: That's broken. Yep, that's broken. I, I reinstalled a tap outside this summer. I was very proud. I identified a problem, uh, purchased the, the uh, your appropriate equipment, and got it fixed and working all in the same day. That's great, It was man. the highlight of my summer. Painter? I mean, you could be a painter. Uh, I used to love painting, but I hate it now.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't know. I mean- I, I I would be happy doing some job like that. Just general maintenance around people's houses. That would be okay. I think I could live with it. But you're right. Software development, if not that, then you're food. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, we cut back over to Alexandria. There are lots of zombies outside the wall. And inside the wall, the core gang that we know that is there are chatting, deciding what to do. This is Carol, Aaron, Jerry, Rosita, and Lydia. They realize that they have no tools, they have no food, and what are they gonna do? They decide to go to the hilltop and see if anything useful survived the fire. Um, But if there's nothing left, Rosita suggests that they might have to find other options for survival beside Alexandria. But of course, Aaron is not ready to give up on this place yet, and they decide to go off on this mission to Hilltop to see what they can find. Now, did they eat all the horses? Well Jerry mentioned no they just they just cooked the one. Jerry mentioned that uh or somebody mentions that the rest of the horse has been salted and preserved, but it's gross but it's going fast. So when you have that uh, many people, even one full horse isn't going to last you too long, I think.
1: I I thought that they said the rest of the horses. No, not he just the rest of the horse.
0: Yes, he just meant the one horse. So they still have those other horses, but they're not going to eat all the horses because you need horses for transportation and work and stuff like
1: that too, right? Yeah. And that's why you need, uh, why you can't kill all the pigs because how else are you going to get rid of your dead bodies? That's right. You need to have pigs eat them. That's the thing. Yeah. So uh, I think that's the problem with, uh, and why we have such a problem with eating a uh, horse is that the, the name of the meat of horse is the same as the animal. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the uh, with beef, we have cows. With uh, well chicken, we have chicken. But nobody, but nobody cares cares gives chickens. a shit about chickens is the difference. I kind of care about chickens. They're, they're birds. They lay eggs. They're good to have around. <laughs> all right, fine. But would you eat a bald eagle? That's a bird. No, that would be illegal. Well, fair enough. Ill yeah. eagle. Yeah. So no, I don't think I'd eat a bald eagle. Squirrel? I guess that's the same meat. Anyway, maybe it's just my problem. But uh, yeah, horse is the same. It's all been, I guess, Everybody's just going to eat horse jerky. Why preserve it? Like, uh, you would preserve something that you're not going to eat right away because you don't have refrigeration. But if everybody's starving, just fucking cook all the ho- whole the horse meat and eat it. Why, why jerky it? Well,
0: I think they've done that. I mean, th- they're trying to ration it a little bit, right? Make it last as long as possible is the only explanation, which makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't yeah, know where we- your next meal is going to come from. You need to make what you have last.
1: You have stew pots. You have. Uh, you don't need refrigeration when you can. Uh, we can. You can just you leave a leave a pot on a burner, and you leave it cooking. You keep the temperature up. You can have that pot on that burner as long as you keep adding water mm-hmm. for as long as you want. There's no reason to not have that stew pot. They used to have permanent stew pots. It would just be always on. Always cooking, you will just add water. You add some different meat. You add some different vegetables. As it got lower and stuff, you just kept adding shit in to raise it back up and keep cooking it. It was just a permanent stew pot. You could do that. Well, fine, but maybe they want some options, right? Some
0: jerky, some horse stew, whatever. Maybe we'll they're trying also.
1: Of- it tastes like crap. Just you know, <laughs> a nice stew. You throw in some friggin' grass. You'd be fine. You got leaves. There's all kinds of shit you can eat. Some rough. Throw your shoes in there for all you. All you all- <laughs> Leather Yum. shoes, not not plastic shoes. Yummy shoe stew. That's what. Uh, well, that's what I want. Used to eat that when you're when you're starving, you boil up your leather boots and you chow down. Okay,
0: I didn't know that, but I'll keep it in mind. Uh, we go into the woods with Negan and Maggie. They're fighting off a bunch of walkers, and they finish the scene off, or the. Battle with the walkers anyways with a double kill. Maggie from the top through the walker's head and Negan up through the chin. So they both take out the same one. I thought that was kind of fun. And Maggie mentions that they are supposed to meet their others at an outpost. And as they're walking, Negan says that they have to trust each other. But Maggie questions why she'd ever trust him. And Negan's like, all right, fine. If that's the way you feel, like, I don't know why you haven't just killed me yet. And after he says this, she throws a knife straight at his head, but he ducks and it hits a walker behind him. Yep. Uh, Michael in Ozark, Missouri said, holy crap, Maggie scared the crap out of Negan when she threw that knife by his head. He better watch out for her and quit talking out loud about her wanting to kill him. The thing about this scene though, Jason, is I've seen this kind of thing before plenty of times where a character characters aren't getting along And one of them does something that would clearly injure and or kill the other character, but it is not intended for them. It's intended for something, some threat behind them, right? You've seen this before, movies, TV, whatever. And I like to think of this as dramatic silliness because it's kind of dramatic, sure, and it's surprising in the moment, but it's just silly. You would never... I don't think a character would ever throw a knife straight at somebody else with intending to hit a threat behind that person and not that person themselves, right? Like that just it's just not a thing that happens in real life, right? No, it's absolutely not a thing so, that happens. So so why in real life. does it happen so often on TV shows? Because it's silly and it's kind of exciting but dumb at the same time.
1: You've been around for a while. I've been around for a while. You've been around cats pretty much your whole life, right? I'm I'm familiar with cats, yeah. I've owned a couple in my life, yeah. When was the last time a cat jumped off a shelf into your
0: face? Uh, Well, I, I'm not sure how to answer that, because I used to have a cat that would do something like that, but not all cats do that.
1: Oh, really? Okay, so I'm just thinking of jump scares, like cats jumping off of whatever and going, Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I've never had a jump scare from a cat. But you, it sounds like you have, was the cat playing? Was, did you, you know, hold tuna in your nose for the cat? No, I mean,
0: I mean, cats, they hunt things, right? So I've, I've seen the occasional cat like jump out at you, but you're trying to say that this is not really a thing.
1: It's not really a thing. Mm -hmm. It's no, this is not really a thing. Cat jump scares are not really a thing. Like did the cat jump off a shelf onto your face? Or did the cat like uh, stalk you and then go after your foot and go, Haha, I got you. Isn't that cute? Yeah, that's that's more like it probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, jump scares are not a thing and neither is uh, throwing something at somebody so that they would duck and you would basically go, psych, I was trying to hit the person behind you, through you. Right. Because I knew that you would duck. It's like, well, you're just being a
0: bitch. Yeah, that, that exactly. It is not a thing that people do except in... TV shows, movies, and like, I just don't like it. Like if, if Maggie had just yelled duck and thrown it, that would be, that'd be totally fine. That is something someone would do, right? Um, so I don't know. I just, it's kind of silliness for the sake of, of a jump scare or a dramatic beat in the episode. And while it doesn't bother me that much, I do think it's kind of dumb and I wish they wouldn't include this, this sort of thing. Anyways, Negan is not hit with the knife and, you know, they go about their day. (laughs) We'll come back to them later. (laughs) Um, We go back over to the gang who was on their way to Hilltop. They arrive at Hilltop. It's all burnt down, of course. Apparently, it looks like it has been picked clean, but there are plenty of zombies around and they realize that many of them are former people they knew, so... They start killing all the walkers at Alexandria and we go to a commercial break. But this made me wonder, like, they just sort of abandoned, like, they haven't been back to Hilltop yet and they had no idea that there were former friends walking around as zombies there. I guess that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. What
1: did they expect? Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess, but do we have a feeling for how long it's been since these Since Hilltop was burned down, I'm not really sure.
1: Uh, Probably not that long. Maybe a month?
0: Right. Because nothing is really rebuilt at Alexandria yet. So maybe it hasn't been that long, so they haven't had a chance to go back, which this is the first visit, which is therefore not surprising that they're finding stuff like this, like their friends, former friends as zombies. Okay. Makes sense. So after the commercial break we are back in alexandria and judith is giving a little weapons lesson to the other kids uh while she's doing this we see some teenagers slightly older kids taunting a child walker through a hole in the fence so judith runs over confronts them she says they shouldn't be doing that and one of the teenagers pushes her down and says that her mom abandoned her because she's so annoying So Judith pulls a knife on the guy, Gracie intervenes, and then Judith walks away. Um, yeah, these teenagers, I don't mean to be so negative because I like this episode, but these teenagers, if I never
1: see them again, it'll be too soon. I hated every, everything about this. I mean, these people uh, have, these kids have been spent, if not their entire lives, most of their lives in the zombie apocalypse. You do not tease a zombie with your finger. Uh, And it was also a very shallow allegory for bullying, mm-hmm. which I didn't like, uh, you know, teasing some other, it had to be a kid zombie. It couldn't just be an adult, Yeah, uh, that they were teasing. There was uh, it had to be a, another child. Uh, and they didn't, they didn't know, like, like, and nobody was watching them and no adult was anywhere near this situation going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah you're being the stupidest idiot possible. And then we had, uh, uh, you know, Judith being pushed down saying your mom abandoned you. And that whole situation, I hated everything about this. I couldn't, uh, I, there was no redeeming quality to this at all. I, I just question why we need it. I mean, they're
0: setting up these teenage kids as like you're, like you said, bullies. Um, it comes into play later in the episode again, but like, what's, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, you know, these, these are new kids we've never seen before. We're supposed to believe they've just been around this whole time, which is fine. There's lots of background people here in Alexandria. It seems like there's more now than there ever were before. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. The stuff we get with Judith later on, I don't think needed this scene to set it up and, yeah, I it felt it felt meaningless. It felt use, useless in this in this moment. So, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there'll be more to this story later on in a future episode. But for now, I'm just like, oh, God, what? why do I care about these teenagers? Why are they even there now at this point? Like, I don't I don't care about these people at all. And if for whatever reason, these characters are being used to tell us something about Judith, which I think is the case, then fine, but it felt a little ham-fisted to me. I don't know. It didn't work so great.
1: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Judas, uh, you know, if somebody pushes you down, (laughs) you don't pull a knife on them. Like that's probably, uh, grounds for uh, talking to as well. Like you don't, uh, you know, it's a wakasashi. It's a, it's a short sword, right? It's not, mm. And it's really sharp and it's a, uh, it's not a toy weapon in any way, shape or form. She pulled a knife on this guy. Yep. I don't care what the reason is. You should not pull knives on other kids. It's no, for not, sure. Not unless you're in,
0: in, sorry, unless you're in actual danger, you know, I mean, that's one thing, but being pushed down by a bully who's stupid enough to be taunting a zombie through a hole in the wall. Like just let him keep doing that. Eventually he's going to get bit and. That'll teach him.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Um, one quick note, the child zombie on the other side of that wall played yeah. by Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real life son. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. His real life son made a cameo.
1: Well, that's a shame that he passed away like that and became a zombie. It's sort of a bummer. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, man. They use real zombies in this show, right? Of course they do. Of course.
0: Yeah, I, I assume. <laughs> All right. Well... After this scene, we go back to Maggie and Negan. They've come to a residential area. They enter a house and dig up some stashed supplies. So this is a, a, a noted safe house where they're supposed to meet everybody. Negan questions how long they should wait there, suggests that maybe they should take the food back to Alexandria. But Maggie, of course, doesn't want to leave. Um, she wants to wait for her people. But Negan's like, let's give them till sundown and then we're out of here.
1: You should give. Them, they don't have cell phones, right? They don't have ways of coordinating people in real time. They do not. You don't just give. You don't just give. You know, it's like, okay, well, let's meet you at the uh, at the crossroads. And you get there, and it's like, if they're not here in fifteen minutes, we're leaving. It's just like, okay, just you know, pump the brakes a little bit, relax. It's the apocalypse. It may take them a little time to get here. Maybe cut them some slack and just you know, chill for a little while. See yeah. What happens?
0: I mean, Neg- Negan's point though is that. This mission has gone so far off the rails that there's almost no point in continuing it anymore. Well, there isn't really a point in continuing it. And he said, look, there's a bit of food here. Let's take it back. We can feed two or three people for one day, but it's better than nothing. And then regroup and decide what to do. But uh, Maggie, on the other hand, is just sticking to the plan, right? This is part of the plan. If we get separated or whatever, this is where we meet. So there's nobody here yet. Like you said, we need to give them some time. I can kind of see both sides of this argument, to be honest, but, you know, they, they are really stuck on their opposing viewpoints. Yeah. So we cut over back to the Commonwealth and Yumiko is entering a bake shop. There's cupcakes and cakes and all kinds of delicious stuff all over the place And inside this bake shop, she finds her brother, Tommy, working there, who, when he sees her, is so shocked, he drops a really nice cake on the ground and ruins it. (laughs) Bummer. Which was a bummer, yeah. Uh, Back at the hilltop, they've been looking around, they find nothing there, there are more zombies, and Lydia realizes that they're being herded, so there must be a whisperer in the crowd. And after they kill a bunch more of these zombies, Aaron knocks one down unmasks him and Lydia stops him from immediately killing him by saying she knows this whisperer oh boy and we go to a commercial break after the break we're jumping all over the place we're back with Eugene and Stephanie they're getting ice cream and after they get their cones another woman grabs an order for Pamela Milton i think she may have may call her miss milton uh, Eugene asks if it's Rocky Road, the flavor, but this other woman doesn't say anything, just looks at
1: him and then walks away. I don't know what Rocky Road is. What flavor is Rocky Road? It's an ice cream flavor. What do you mean you don't know no, what Rocky is? I know Road that, is? but do you describe the flavor? Have, do you know what Rocky Road is? I've never had it. Is it like, uh, chocolate or is it vanilla or is like, I assume there's uh chunks of something in it since seeing as though it's a rocky yeah, road. So yeah. I'm thinking chocolates with uh chocolate ice cream with kind of chocolate chunks in it.
0: I think it's a chocolate ice cream, but it usually has um like I think sometimes nuts and marshmallow. Like oh, uh diced sense. marshmallow in it. Yeah.
1: That sounds horrendous, but I understand. Well it's it's
0: really good. I mean ice cream even the bad flavors are still good because it's ice cream.
1: I don't like Uh, I've never really been big into ice cream and I don't, uh, (laughs) I don't eat or drink milk anymore and I really dislike marshmallows. I don't
0: understand you sometimes. Ice cream, nobody doesn't like ice cream.
1: Well, I have enjoyed it every now and again, but I was never, I've never been a, hey, (laughs) let's buy some ice cream and keep it in the freezer for 10 minutes or however long it takes uh, to eat an ice cream.
0: When you're out Uh, and you're walking around somewhere and- you you never go to yourself, hey, Jasper and Jenny, let's go get some ice cream. That would be a nice thing to do.
1: Well, they would get ice cream. I would get something else. I don't like walking around and eating. I don't like eating while I'm standing up, first of all. So I don't think okay. I'd ever get uh, walking around ice cream. <laughs> uh, I, and I don't even like sitting at, I, mean, I, I, like, I prefer to be sitting at a table when I eat. I don't like eating not at a table. It drives me crazy. All right. Definitely don't like eating in the sun and definitely don't like eating while I'm standing up.
0: Okay, so none of those things uh, are compatible with eating ice cream.
1: Yeah, at all. Okay. I have no interest in doing what what they're doing right now, like having ice cream, enjoying each other's company and walking around. I would just walk around. I'd be, I like coffee and I don't like walking around with a coffee. You'd rather sit a coffee and and then going for a walk. I, I would wait until the walk is over until I uh, got a coffee and I could sit down and enjoy it.
0: Okay. Well, that's uh, that's something. <laughs>
1: uh, well, they're getting ice cream
0: and this he asks about Rocky Road and she just sort of looks at him and walks away. Um, Chris in Toronto writes, holy crap, if I had ice cream for the first time after 10 years in the apocalypse, I would be bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so Chris clearly enjoys his ice cream. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to talk about this scene for a second, because why did uh, why did Eugene (laughs) ask her if that flavor is Rocky Road? And I started thinking back when he was talking to Stephanie on the radio before they left to make their journey to the Commonwealth. I remember them talking about I thought I remembered them talking about ice cream And so I went back to those episodes to check them out and they did indeed bond over the fact that they had both spent some time in Pennsylvania as kids and they ended up in the same town together and they mentioned an ice cream shop. And so I thought, okay, this must be him, you know, projecting back to that. And I thought maybe he mentioned Rocky Road as his favorite flavor or something like that. So I went back and checked, but he didn't. He mentioned a black raspberry flavor in the episode. So he, so the rocky road doesn't tie together, but there is definitely an ice cream
1: connection there somehow. Okay. So, um, does that play into this episode at all? other than, Hey, that's neat. Um, I don't see it. No, but I, you know, I, I thought, I thought it
0: was an unusual scene for him to be asking about the flavor just out of the blue like that. And I thought it played back into when he was talking to Stephanie on the radio, and it sort of does because they talked about ice cream, but sort of not because it's not the flavor
1: that I expected. But does he, does he not know if it's Rocky Road? I mean, I wouldn't know if it was Rocky Road, but I don't think I'd get an ice cream or anything and then ask if it's, if it's a particular flavor. I might ask, what flavor is this? Mm -hmm. But I don't think I would ask, is this Rocky Road? Is this Butternut Ripple? Is it, uh, is it strawberry swirl, uh, right. strawberry shortcake? Uh, I would know what that is. Cause that's my favorite flavor of anything. Ice cream. Uh, I love strawberry shortcake. Strawberry shortcake. Okay. Anything well, pink. I love any food that's pink. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's weird. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I thought it was, that's why I'm bringing it up because I thought it was strange that he would do, he would ask that question. So, uh, it, it sort of ties back, but not really. We'll see where Goes. We'll see if anything comes from it. So basically,
1: what it boils down to, Chris. I'm sorry to just to take this aside again. I don't eat ice cream very often, but when I do, I prefer. Uh, I'm a little girl when it comes to ice cream. Uh, I like if it's pink. Strawberries fine. Strawberry shortcake's good. Uh, anything like that is fantastic. Well, I'm going to
0: refrain from telling you what my favorite flavor of ice cream is because you're going to judge me.
1: Of course I'm going to judge you. Is it, uh, well, you got to tell me, you can't not tell me now. I'm not going to. I don't want to. All right, tell the listeners, I'll plug my ears. Uh, well,
0: there's a brand of ice cream up here called Kawartha Dairy. It's from a little town in Ontario called Bob Cajun. And I know since only you listeners are listening right now, they make a flavor called Banana Boat, which is banana flavored ice cream with marshmallows mixed into it and, uh, some, uh, chocolatey chunk things. And it is the most delicious thing
1: I have ever eaten, ice cream wise, at least. I wouldn't judge you. I just tell you, I know you, what you have is fine, (laughs) except for your taste and pop when you mix like seven flavors in a single pop. This is what I'm talking about. That time I bought like
0: cherry vanilla, Dr. Pepper, you're like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, (laughs) I needed to try it. (laughs)
1: Uh, I just tell you what I prefer. I don't like marshmallows.
0: You can like marshmallows. But the thing is, I don't eat like plain marshmallows by themselves because that's weird. But in an ice cream, it's fine. It mixes in with the ice cream deliciousness and it really adds to it. Anyways. Why bother? We've, what do you mean why bother? Because it's amazing. Well, if it
1: mixes into it and it doesn't make any difference, then what's the, what's the point? It, it, it.
0: It levels off the marshmallow flavor a little bit and mixes it with the other thing and creates something entirely new and amazing. The, the, you know, the sum- We're talking
1: about ice cream chemistry here. The sum is greater than its parts, right? Right. It's like mixing hydrogen and water, uh, hydrogen and water. Hydrogen and oxygen together and you get water. You can't really separate it out because, uh, basically water confuses me. Hydrogen and water, you have hydrogen, which explodes and water and oxygen. Uh, that supports combustion. Why doesn't water explode? I'm just glad it does the chemistry, because the sum of it is different than the com- component parts. So see? I can see where you're coming from. Uh, in that that whatever flavor that uh, that you like there uh, is is uh, not explosive. Where the individual uh, individual flavors are uh, gross, a little bit dangerous. Fine. Can we move on? Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs>
0: okay so they continue walking through the city Uh, we see things like people pushing baby carriages all really pretty normal life it looks like eugene starts to tell stephanie that he can't stay because he needs to help his friends and he asks if there's a way to cut through all the red tape that they have here so they sit down they look up at an antenna and stephanie suggests that they use the radio to talk to eugene's people And she says she wants to help him. By entrapping him. I guess so. I guess so. We'll get to that. Now, I wanted to mention here another kind of Easter egg that as they're walking, they pass a door that says Hawthorne and Gibbs Law Offices. And I don't know if you recall, Jason, but Michonne was a lawyer pre-apocalypse. And her last name is Hawthorne. Well. Well,
1: look at that.
0: Hawthorne and Gibbs law offices. So interesting little Easter egg. I think that's all it is, though.
1: Oh, okay. So Michonne's not here. I
0: I mean, I can't say for sure, but I'd be surprised. Yeah, me too. Yeah. While they're sitting there, Ezekiel and Princess walk up. They say it's going to take five weeks to talk to a supervisor, which might as well be forever. And uh, we see Mercer standing off kind of watching them. That's it for now we go back to Judith and the gang. She has entered a house full of kids. I guess this is the house where everyone's living or at least some of them. Uh, She finds her handprints that she made with Carl on a piece of wood broken on the floor. Uh, That jerk teenager from the wall is there. He says he didn't do it and he's kind of a dick to her, but then all the younger kids offer to help her put it back together. Mm. So there you go. Now we have Judith sitting outside with the pieces of wood. They're still broken. Um, And Rosita walks up and talks to her about Carl being gone, talk about memories, the past, etc. Judith says she's worried that she'll forget some of these people that, you know, she used to love, like her brother and her dad. And Rosita talks about her own parents and how she still misses them. And she says, you know, Carl and Rick taught Judith to survive on her own and they'll always love her wherever they are. Um, so it's a nice, nice scene. Uh, Jennifer mm-hmm. in Minneapolis writes, holy crap, did you see Kaylee Fleming act her way to stardom? There are big things in the future for that kid. I literally wanted to find the person who broke the handprints and smacked them myself. Her tears hurt me, hurt my heart so much. Bravo, Miss Fleming, bravo.
1: I agree. I thought the acting, uh, her acting in this scene was uh, phenomenal. I was really, uh, really impressed
0: me too. I like Kaylee Fleming and I actually didn't think the previous scene at the fence with her was that great. I mean, she was fine, but I think maybe it was tainted by those other kids for me, but this scene was really good because she's, she's acting across Christian Serratos, who's great. And, uh, this one was way, way better. So yes, bravo, Kaylee Fleming. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we are back now with Aaron and uh, the group interrogating this whisperer whose name is Keith. They found out he claims that he's the only one left. Of course, nobody believes him except Lydia, who doesn't just straight up assume he's lying. Uh, She claims he's not hurting anyone, but the others think he might be a threat. So they take him down into the cellar and they find four more people hiding down there, which to Aaron pretty much confirms that Keith was lying because he said there was nobody else. Uh, they look around, they find some more masks, they question how many more of them there are, and then Jerry finds one of Nebula's scarves hanging up, confirming that these people were indeed in Alexandria and were some of the Whisperers that burnt the place down. Bastards. Bastards. So while all this is happening, Keith grabs a knife and slashes at Aaron. There's a brief fight and the other former Whispers run out of the place, but Aaron picks up the knife and before we go to a commercial break, approaches Keith and says, my turn. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking Aaron was going to cut him up, stab him to death. I hope Aaron's okay. Yeah, so Aaron goes pretty dark in this episode. Um, we no, see- he will.
1: gets a he slashes at him with a knife. Oh, but, uh, I hope he's okay. I hope he didn't get cut too badly. Yeah, I think he's fine. <laughs> 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 but you're right. I was a little
0: worried in the in the moment. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about Aaron's darkness in a minute after our commercial break. Back with Eugene and Stephanie in. Uh, I, it's a train station. I don't think the Commonwealth has functioning trains. At least I'm not. I don't think so. But uh, the radio room is on the upper floor of this train station. There's lots of people around. There's guards around. They sneak their way in while Ezekiel and Princess sit down on some benches to keep watch, I think. Kind of just assess the situation a little bit.
1: Mm, This is is a really nice train station. Was it a real train station, do you think? I thought it was really... uh... Tastefully decorated. I'm pretty sure it's a set. To be
0: honest, I think uh-huh. I read. I think I read that the Commonwealth set is built in the same location that the Sanctuary was when Negan was running that place. So I see. I don't think it's a real train station, but I agree with you. It's nice. It looked good. You know, small but uh,
1: elegant train station. So there seems to be. Uh, uh, so you said there's fifty thousand people in the Commonwealth. And, uh, these people are packed in there pretty good. I assume that they're using this as some kind of administrative offices since they have, uh, you know, the radio here and stuff. Cause they're, uh, for a, uh, a place that doesn't have trains, there's an awful lot of people at a train station.
0: Yeah. Well, you're right. I'm sure they're using it for something else. If the radio room is in there, that kind of makes sense. Cause you probably have radio equipment in a train station. Um, uh, but they're, I'm sure they're using it for something else. Cause you're right. If there's no train ran, running trains. Like why are all these people
1: hanging around? I well, maybe they're waiting for the next train, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> maybe they're brainwashed so hard that, uh, they think that there's going to be a train. That's right. Next train's coming. It's always coming. <laughs> um, but we go over to Yumiko.
0: She's now sitting with her brother, Tommy. They're chatting about things and getting caught up. He explains to her how he came to be there. He fled Chicago, found some people and um, ended up there fairly early on. He says that the Miltons, implying that there is a family of Miltons, not just Pamela, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. He said the Miltons made it a safe haven, Haven, and Yumiko goes on to question why he's baking cakes even though he's a surgeon, and he says he likes his life this way and he doesn't want to be a surgeon anymore. Don't ruin it for him, basically. Um, so I assume... He lied about his skills when he first arrived at the Commonwealth so that he could bake instead of be a doctor.
1: Well, I guess Yumiko, from this, I read that Yumiko is, uh, is a meddler because his first response was like, you know, she's asking why, you know, if you're a surgeon and this is the apocalypse and you could be someone, you know, so helpful to people, why are you uh, baking cakes? And his first response is, don't ruin this for me. Right. Like she ruins everything. So she must be a ruiner. That's, that's the only thing I can draw from this conversation is that it's nice to see you and everything, but don't fuck with my life again. Yeah. I didn't like it last time. I mean, I guess, I guess that's it. She's a bit of a meddler,
0: I suppose. Um, and that's what he's saying. The other thing about this though, is now that I think about it, he's a surgeon and he can't be the only surgeon or doctor in, uh, um... In the Commonwealth, obviously, there are probably doctors and surgeons that are actually doing that job there, and they just don't know that he's a surgeon yet. But it did make me think, you know, we know Ezekiel has um, thyroid cancer, and suddenly there's a surgeon on the show. It feels like an opportunity to save Ezekiel's life.
1: Oh, yeah. A little surgerizing will uh, go a long way for Ezekiel.
0: I think it would. So... I wouldn't be surprised if where this goes is that uh Yumiko suddenly puts two and two together and says, "Hey, you can save my friend if you're if you actually worked as a as a surgeon." So, he may have to come out of retirement and give up the baking career for a little while to save Ezekiel. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens here.
1: Yeah. I would uh I didn't put that together, but that's a very valid point.
0: Yeah. So they finished their conversation, though, about, um, well, with Yumiko asking about getting help for her people. And and Tommy says, you know, anything is possible here as long as you follow the rules. Again, a little ominous when you think about it. And him saying, like, we're all good here as long as you follow the rules. Don't break the rules because things don't go well for rule breakers.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe she should ask what the rules are. That's about to be my first question. It's like, okay, what are the rules? Is there a book or do you have to figure them out as you go, like a marriage or you know, what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah. Give me the basic rundown of the rules so I don't break any of those. And then
0: we'll work on the more advanced rules because there's probably some of those as well.
1: Yeah. It right. takes practice. Yeah. yeah. You got to learn what the rules are. You know, especially if nobody knows what the rules are, you kind of figure it out, you go. Sure. Well, we learn about some of them in a minute, but first, uh, we've
0: got Princess, who is still keeping watch at the train station entrance, Mercer and some soldiers approach, and she busts out of the door, stops them and kind of starts hitting on them, right? She thanks him for bringing her $2 bill back. And then it seems like it might be working because he uses her name, Princess, uh, which takes her off her guard a little bit. And then she compliments his beautiful eyelashes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they seem to be getting along a little. And I think what she's actually trying to do in this scene is just run some interference and delay him so that, you know, the Eugene and, and, uh, Stephanie up in the radio room have a little bit more time, but, I thought it was a fun kind of scene because it definitely made Mercer, at least the way I read it, feel slightly uncomfortable, <laughs> which, yeah, which you could see on his face. And
1: I like that. <laughs> yeah. If you really want to uh, compliment somebody and make them feel uncomfortable, what you should do is you should look them straight in the eye and say, you have well-rounded diphthongs. And so that really confuses people. Do you know what a diphthong is? Uh, diphthong. No. It's two, it's two vowels put together like a foul, like in being able to uh, pronounce uh, or out uh, two uh, vowels together. Uh, huh. So you say you have well-rounded diphthongs. It's just complimenting the way they speak. Okay. Uh, and makes everybody all uncomfortable all at the same time. Because who knows what a diphthong is? Yeah. When you say you have well-rounded something, it's like, well, and then you say the word thong, it really confuses people. <laughs> it's like, what are you trying to say there? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I could see
0: how that would be a thing. And and some pe- pro- people probably stand around not wanting to admit that they don't know what a diphthong is.
1: Yeah. Or you could say you have, uh, I really enjoy your glottal stops. What are, uh, what's, what's that? Else? Uh-oh. It's being, it's just saying, it's stopping uh, a sound in your throat. Uh-oh. Huh. Okay. you You know all the linguistic terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want to make somebody uncomfortable, I know those terms.
0: Very good. Very good. Or <laughs> measure something with your hand
1: <laughs> yeah. or another part of your body. <laughs> but uh, complimenting somebody's eyelashes, it's a little odd, don't you think? I think it's weird, but you know, eyelashes are a thing
0: that sometimes people notice on other people, if they're especially long or flappy or whatever, you know. Uh, flappy. That's a good one. Yeah.
1: I mean, you have really flappy eyelashes.
0: See? And I like that about you. Exactly way to make someone uncomfortable but you know i think in this scene princess was basically just trying to stall him right she's running interference stall him and she's like uh what am i going to compliment his um giant shoulders no 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 no. his beautiful eyes oh let's go with eyelashes yeah 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 yeah." (laughs) (laughs) so um all right back to aaron and the gang they are interrogating keith now by threatening him with a walker keith insists still that they're the only ones he screams to lydia to help him because she's, you know, his former friend. He also says that Alpha was right about them. He says they pretend to be better than the dead, but dead is honest. So what what does he mm-hmm. mean by that, do you think?
1: The dead don't lie. The dead don't lie. That was a movie, the, wasn't it? The, well, I don't know, but the, the dead don't lie. They don't, uh, they don't bear false witness. I guess that's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the dead are what they are, and they don't... Uh, There's, there's nothing, uh, subtle about them. There's nothing, uh, that is fake about them. There's nothing they can do that, uh, is, you know, nefarious. Uh, you know, they're just good, honest folk. Yeah. The movie was The Dead
0: Don't Die with, uh, Adam Driver from a couple of years ago, but okay. I mean, yeah, The Dead Don't well, the dead don't lie. <laughs> so the dead is honest. Um, at this though, Aaron lets the walker bite his hand. He lets, he, yeah. he purposefully gets this guy bitten. Uh, and you know, when he says, okay, the clock is running now, you better tell us the truth. So Aaron offers to cut off his hand to prevent the infection if he stops lying. But at this point, Lydia finally steps in and tells Aaron to stop and then She walks off and Carol puts an arrow through the zombie's head, which prevents any more torture happening here. And she claims that Aaron is going down a path he doesn't want to go down. She reminds him that she went down this path after Henry died and she carries that with her forever now, um, which seems to get through to Aaron a little bit and he lets the guy go. But in general, Aaron, really angry in this in this episode, in this scene. And I must admit, it, at first it felt a little out of character to me, to Aaron, for Aaron to be doing these kind of things. Because I've always thought of him as a pretty level-headed uh, guy who sees the bigger picture, who keeps his cool, and doesn't do shit like this. But here he is torturing a guy and just flying off the deep end. Um, but after I thought about it a bit, I think I came to terms with the idea that they're starving. They have no walls. Things are going so bad and it's just kind of pushed Aaron over this breaking point and he's gone a little dark.
1: It is uh, it is pretty dark for Aaron. And it's a really nasty thing to do to somebody. Let a zombie bite you. Oh yeah. And then and then say, "Well, I can save you by cutting off your hand." It's like, "Well, that was a shitty thing to do."
0: Yeah. It it really, well, I mean, it really puts the pressure on. You either tell me the truth now or you're going to die and turn into a zombie. The other thing about this, though, is that I'm getting a little bit tired of people torturing other people to get answers. I mean, we've talked about this before. It doesn't work. You don't, you don't elicit the responses you want and the torturer is never going to the, the torturer is never going to believe what the person being tortured says until they say what they want them to say, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what torture does. It gets the answers that you want, not the
0: truth. Right, exactly. So th- that's what was happening here. That's what was happening to Daryl, you know, in the other episode. And we've seen it repeatedly on this show and others. So I, I am a little bit tired of seeing these sort of torture scenes because I just kind of know that this doesn't work, but they, you know, writers use it as a way to show, I think to say more about the person doing the torturing than the one being tortured, right? In this case, it was all about Aaron. He's come to the end of his rope. He's crossed the line and he just can't take it anymore. So he's acting in a way that is really kind of counter to his usual personality, I think. And that's really all I can take away from this scene. He's trying to protect people and he's going about it the wrong way.
1: Yeah, I and mean, then he does a very Mad Max thing. He throws down the knife and says you can cut off your hand or I can do it. Uh which is what, you know, Mad Max did, said so you can saw through that the handcuff in about 10 minutes, but you only have about 5 before the car blows up. You'll uh-huh. Probably get through your wrist in about 4 minutes if you or whatever it was. So uh it was a very Mad Max thing to do and who's going to cut off their own hand? Right? So well, I'd be like, my first thought would be, fucking you do it. Why did you even ask me? Yeah, don't seriously. <laughs> and this make... knife is pretty dirty. You're about to cut off my hand. Uh, can you at least wipe it on the grass? Or your shirt maybe, right? Wipe it, wipe it off on something. I don't something, know. you know, it seems a little nasty. And then the anyway, we'll get to it. Uh, the next scene with his hand cut off and uh, he's fine. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, we we, we do skip over that, but we will get to that. First, we go back, though, to Rosita and Judith. They are gluing the boards together, and the radio suddenly comes to life, and it's Eugene. He says they're safe, and he asks about what's going on in Alexandria. So Rosita tells him that the war's over, Alpha and Beta are dead, and so on. But as they're talking very quickly, the radio breaks up, and they can't hear him anymore. We cut over to his side on the Commonwealth in the radio room and, uh, Mercer busts in and arrests them for unauthorized use of government property. So, uh, I'm not sure if it was all of a setup, but we get more. totally a setup. Well, we get more of this in a minute, but what, what do you think?
1: Well, she didn't get arrested at all. Like it was just Eugene. She snuck him in there, uh, and, you know, got him access to the radio and then only Eugene gets arrested. Come on. Well, we don't know
0: for sure that she didn't get arrested. The, there's a dude in a in a scene coming up in a minute that says she's being charged separately as a citizen whereas they're being charged as asylum seekers. So she's she's well, according to him, under uh, getting some sort of uh consequences for this.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. This completely was an absolute setup. The whole the whole point of this was to Uh, you know, we'll get there in a minute, but the whole point of this was to get something over on them so that they would have to do what you actually want them to do. Mm -hmm. It's to, it's to give a compelling reason for them to, it's to compel them to do something. The whole point of this fucking charade.
0: So you're saying it's, it's so that they can hold something over Eugene and the gang and the Commonwealth can make them do something. Send yeah. them, the, the, we don't know what it is yet.
1: We don't know what it is yet. Okay. But the, the thing is, you know, uh, when plaid jacket guy comes in and says, uh, let them go, uh, I'll go talk to the governor. Uh, and, and then she says that, uh, you know, you're going to have to pay for this one way or the other. There's going to be something you'll have to do to make up for this. Right. right. That's, it's a fucking con. It's, it's the whole point of this was to get them in a position where they have to do something that, uh, they may not otherwise want to do.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, let's, let's go out of order here for a second, which is unusual for us, but you're right. So there's, there's a scene with Maggie and Negan in between this, but we'll talk about that in a second because there's lots to talk about there. But, uh, Eugene, Ezekiel, and Princess are being held in an office, as you said, or a guy comes in, reads them their charges, and they're charged with wanton trespassing, reckless endangerment, illegal communication with a foreign entity. So that's their charges. He says they'll have a hearing within the hour. So this place is really efficient
1: <laughs> mm.
0: when it comes to that. He says, if guilty, they'll be dropped off outside and banished from returning. They ask for their lawyer, who, of course, is Yumiko, Um, And the guy says, Stephanie will be charged separately. And then Lance Hornsby, the guy from the video, comes in with Stephanie. And he says to let them go. But the other guy says they can't. And then the two of them leave, leaving Stephanie in the room with them and some guards. But Stephanie says that they can trust Hornsby and she thinks he can stop them from being banished, but they'll have to pay for what they've done somehow. That's exactly what you were saying. So I didn't really think about it like that, but you're right. It does seem like now this is all a bit of a setup so that the governor or whoever at the Commonwealth has some leverage with them. So yeah, it's think, all theater. I think you may be onto something. Very, very good. Okay. Jumping back a scene in between when they're arrested and that scene, we have a bit with Maggie and Negan. They are still waiting for people to come to this safe house. Negan is frustrated. So he starts packing up the food to leave. He says he's just going to take off. Um, Maggie disagrees. She knocks the bag out of his hand. They struggle. They push each other around a little bit and then there's a long pause as they stand and stare at each other. Longingly. And then Maggie hits him again and there's a little more staring at each other until suddenly they hear footsteps, the door opens and Elijah and Father Gabe come in.
1: Man, they were just about to do it.
0: So just before we get to that, They Elijah and Father Gabe says they say they found each other in the woods. Maggie explains who's dead, who's not. And what do they do now? Father Gabe says they wait for the others. Maggie agrees and Negan says nothing. So Negan is the only guy who is still a proponent proponent of getting up and leaving. Everyone else is like, no, no, no. We wait for our people, which which is a point I liked. It sort of puts everybody on one on the Maggie side of things. Um, and Negan's kind of alone now, Negan and Maggie staring at each other silently after they've tussled Jason, the sexual tension was palpable.
1: Well, yeah. And
0: did you hate it like I did?
1: Well, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> why Why would Maggie go there? She's not going to go there. Negan, um, Negan's a, uh, a lech. He's, he's not a, he's not a nice man. Uh, and he would absolutely do this and probably enjoy it. But Maggie, on the other hand, I don't think she would ever go there or should ever go there. It seems like it's out of character. Uh, yeah, it's absolute fucking rubbish. You
0: could see it on both of their faces. You could see both characters expressing this, this moment of, of questioning their feelings. Right. And I agree with you. Negan fine Negan's a bad dick like he's a bad guy (laughs) and he might do something ridiculous like that Maggie I don't know I we are supposed to believe that Maggie 100% hates this dude's guts and will never see eye to eye to him with him does that mean you know she would never get down with the guy well I personally think it should and if it doesn't mean that on this show I'm not sure how I'm going to feel, because in the moment watching this, like I said out loud to my TV, no, 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 you're not doing this. No. And then they didn't. But like don't do this to me, TV, don't don't do it. Don't do it. This is not good. But I thought for a second we were going to get a like rough kissing embrace between these two. And I, I don't know, man, I don't know if I can handle that because I'm not sure I believe
1: Maggie would do it, you know? Well, let's hope that she doesn't, because I don't believe that she should. I think it's way out of character. Uh, But, you know, love and hate or- complex and hate are, you know, two sides of the same coin, right? Well. Uh, You can hate somebody and still have sex with them because it's a biological need. Sure. Uh, So, you know, I don't recommend that because it's a lot more fun when you don't hate somebody. I assume (laughs) I've never had sex with someone I hated. But I would assume, what do I know really? I just hope that Maggie doesn't go there because, you know, she watched this man murder her husband. Yeah. Like Jesus, and the father of her unborn child. Mm -hmm. For crying out loud, she can't go there. I I would agree with you. I,
0: I would totally, totally agree with you. And it's going to, I think it's going to upset me. If she does go there for a variety of reasons. But I thought for a second it was about to happen in this scene.
1: Yeah. And I I, don't know.
0: I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I know how I'm going to react if that does actually take place in a future episode. Now, maybe the show is just trolling us a bit, right? They sort of know that people are thinking, oh, are they going to get together? Are they not? Like, let's, let's tease them a little bit and, and put this scene in and we'll never revisit this. You know, I don't know. I kind of hope that's the case, but it
1: made me really uncomfortable when, when they were doing this and, uh, well, they're not alone anymore. So let's hope that they don't get alone again, because, uh, we know that when you put two people alone, uh, sometimes things can happen that are unexpected. Right. Like my friend Quinton used to say, you put an infinite number of monkeys in a room with an infinite number of typewriters for an infinite amount of, amount of time, eventually one of those monkeys is going to stick his hand up his own ass. <laughs> right. You know, your friend
0: Quinton didn't really coin that phrase, but I think he modified it a little bit.
1: The, the, the end
0: part is all him. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you're trying to say is that unpredictable things happen. And when two people are in alone are alone in a room together, sometimes unpredictable things happen. But holy we know, moly,
1: we know Negan hasn't had sex in six years. He, Maggie, who knows? What are you talking about? He had sex with Alpha. Oh, well, Alpha, right? Damn it, he's such a lech. Yeah. Okay, so we don't. There's no reason for this whatsoever. You're right. Alpha's. Deep. See, Negan has a, a he has a track record of being this giant asshole that just does whatever the hell he feels like even did he even having sex with alpha you know was there desire there or just uh you know was it part of the con or what's going on there but i can't i cannot believe that maggie would would go there even if she has been celibate for the last you know six years the The Alpha thing I can see because it can
0: be explained by as you said being part of the con it can be part it could have been part of Negan's plan to get some trust and things like that among with her and so on right this uh if if Negan does it, you know fine it's it's Negan he's just thinking with his dick, but um Maggie i just i can't see it I cannot see it. And there've been, people have been speculating that this is coming, you know, since this season started. Uh, And I never really bought into that in any way until I saw this. And I thought for a second, oh my God, they're doing it. Now, to be fair, they did not. And as I said before, maybe this is it. They're just trolling us and they'll never revisit this again. I think I hope that's the case uh, because it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough to watch Maggie and Negan get together knowing their history so yeah anyways it's rare that i shout out loud to my tv but i did in this case Um, oh
1: i used to yell at my tv all the time well i don't know if i do it so much anymore i used to
0: it's actually happened twice recently for me the the other one was it was my tv but it was during a video game and not a tv show Right. It was, uh, it was something, remember when I told you, I can't remember if I said this on the air or not, but I told you that I thought the, uh, final season of Telltale's The Walking Dead was an absolute masterpiece. Yep. Something at the end of that game made me burst out at my TV in, in, nice. in a far less negative way, in a much more positive way. I oh, was you.
1: positive. So you were, you were crying and you were weeping. You weren't crying. You were weeping with joy and delights and, uh, calling your TV, you know, lovely, sweet nothing. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but
0: okay, you might be right. Anyhow, um, so that's that. Uh, we've talked about the next scene involving everybody at Commonwealth, so we'll skip right to the end here. We are at Hilltop. They, the gang is packing up to leave. Lydia is treating Keith, who now doesn't have a hand, so we don't know if he cut his own hand off or if... Or if Aaron did it for him, but either way,
1: he's got no hand and he seems to be fine. And she's playing with the stump and he's fine with it. He just had his hand cut (laughs) off with, I assume, no anesthesia whatsoever. And she's like shaking the fucking stump. I don't think so. No, He would be screaming in pain uh, and he probably wouldn't just be sitting there going, man, that fucking hurts. You'd be cuddling that goddamn arm close to your chest. It would, and he would be in shock. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, it just, man, people in this universe heal fast. And like, I'm pretty sure that thing's going to grow back in like a week and a half or something. <laughs> it might. Yeah. The way they heal. Uh, but you're right. He seems just fine. Uh, so they are leaving. They leave him some food. Mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> some fucking mushrooms. Maybe that's what he was, uh, eating before they cut off the, uh, cut off the stump. It's like, man, that is trippy. Yeah. Just cut that thing right off, man. Now, whoa. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Before they leave, though,
0: Keith mentions that they saw one of their people, that he saw one of their people come out of the cave. And they all, of course, realize that it's Connie and ask where it was. He tells them, and Carol wants to go immediately. But Aaron suggests that it's getting late. They start at first light, to which Carol agrees. So they get in there horse drawn buggy and they leave. That's the end of the episode. So great tease for next week. I hope, um, with them going off to find Connie Mm -hmm. who's stranded somewhere, uh, which is awesome because I'm excited for Connie to come back. Um, and the other thing too is, Carol, once again, for the second time in like, what, three episodes, she's wanted to do something kind of impulsive. Remember when she was looking for the horses, she didn't want to stop. And then Rosita gave her a hug and said, no, 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 let's, let's finish this tomorrow when it's safe. Well, Aaron does the same thing right here. So I feel like Carol's getting a little bit more agreeable with everybody. Yeah. You got to go along to get along. You do. Um, but there you go. So now we've got a lead on Connie and we're going to, uh. Hopefully see her soon again. And I'm excited. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. There's the episode. A lot going on in this one. We got updates pretty much on everybody except Daryl and Leah over with the Reapers. But Mm -hmm. we got a a good look at the Commonwealth. We got um, Aaron and the gang just trying to survive and find some stuff. We got a tease that maybe the Whisperers are still out there. Seems like they're not. Seems like maybe Keith and that gang really is all that's left. And, um, we got some Maggie and Negan stuff. So, um, what'd you think of this one?
1: Overall, not bad? Overall, not bad. There was, uh, I hated the thing with the kids. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of annoying, but everything else was pretty good. Uh, why would those whisper people hang around Hilltop? Isn't their whole existence kind of nomadic? And wouldn't they want to continue that kind of lifestyle or they didn't like it? And if they didn't like the lifestyle, why would they herd a bunch of zombies in order to protect them and comfort them? Well, that's what such.
0: That's what Keith says. He's like, we're just doing this still for some protection, right? But I get your point. Like why hang around Hilltop? I mean, it's a burnt out building. Maybe it still provides some kind of...
1: Well, the cellar still seems to be in pretty good shape. Yeah.
0: I so, know where so, they were living. It provides some kind of shelter that they might need. Um, but they they also kind of say, look, you know, whispers are no more. Alpha, you know, some of us were just following her because we kind of had nothing else to do. So, like, I believe him basically when he says that we're not a threat anymore. It's just us. Um, as for why they're still there, I don't know. Maybe there's other little patches of them around all over the place for now. Yeah, Maybe. I'm not sure, but I'm also glad that it doesn't seem like the Whisperers are going to pop up on the show again as an actual threat. Cause being there done that let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, for sure. Um, all righty. Well, there you go. That is the walking dead out of the ashes season 11, episode five recap, uh, send in your feedback or thoughts or comments or questions for our feedback show that is coming up later this week on Thursday night. All right, Jason, it is that time again when we are going to announce our wiener for uh, this week's prize, season 11 prize pack. Before we do that, though, I would like to thank a few new patrons that have signed up. We've got Alex N, friend of the show who adjusted his pledge recently. Deirdre F. and Melanie S., thank you to you guys for supporting the show. Now, this week's prize, it's, uh, it's, it's in a, what do you call this? Coincidence? Not really. Maybe it's coincidence, but this week's- Serendipitous? I think it's serendipitous, maybe. Yeah. So this week's prize is a Funko Pop. You know, those, uh, those toys? Very,
1: very collectible and popular.
0: Very collectible and popular. There's billions of them out there. This one is an exclusive, was an exclusive to the Walking Dead supply drop, and it is Aaron who was a, who was a big part of this episode. I had no idea when I arranged these prizes that this was going to be, you know, at least partially an Aaron episode. So it is walking dead supply drop, Aaron Funko pop exclusive. It's a cool one. It's got his, um, mace hand covered in blood and stuff like that. So, um, this is fun. So Jason, it is that time. Please reach into whatever container you have chosen this week and pull out, our winner for the Aaron Funko Pop.
1: Well, I'm not looking forward to this, Chris. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know, the, the box of kittens from last week was uh, was really nice, but this time what I have is a sack of broken glass. And I wrote uh, the names uh, all over a couple of glass bottles uh, and then put them in this sack, this leather sack that I have, and then I broke all the glass into pieces. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, at least one of these pieces has a complete name on it. It might just be a partial. It might just be a letter. Uh, but uh, I'm going to reach into this sack of broken glass, and uh, I'm going to very, very gingerly pull pull out a piece here. Well,
0: fingers crossed that this goes well for you.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to... Oh, ow. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. That, I got a piece here. Okay, ow. A little right, sharp. A little sharp. A little sharp. Okay. I'm going to pull it out. Okay. i going to go... Oh, fuck. Give it up. Wipe the blood off of here. All right, so uh, the name that I pulled out here—it's got the full name on there. This is fantastic. Okay, so the uh, the name is Archana P. All right, Archana P. Hopefully we've got that uh, name right. Hopefully you got that right, Jason. But I think I think you do. It's hard to tell. It's to, you know wiping off the blood. There's just more blood. I I'm, not, I'm gonna have to take care of this later, I guess.
0: Okay, you you are gonna need to go patch yourself up. But congratulations, Archana P. Uh, You are the lucky winner of the Aaron Funko Pop, so I will be in touch via email. Watch out for an email from us, and we'll uh, figure out how to get that to you. Every week, we are pulling a winner from all currently active patrons, uh, so you can join at any time, and you will be eligible for, uh, as long as you remain a patron, you'll be eligible for one of the future weekly prizes, and we're doing one per episode, so Um, there are 24 episodes. We've done five, which means there are 19 more to go. If my math is correct. Wow. Math. I know. Amazing. Uh, so join up at patreon.com slash the talking dead. And, uh, you know, thanks again for everyone for becoming a patron. Consider this a perk of, of helping out. All right. A A patron perk prize. A patron perk prize. Why not? Alrighty. Thanks so much, everyone. That is going to bring us to the end of this week's podcast. Uh, But of course, as I said, we'll be back in a few days with our feedback episode for this episode of the show. If you want to send in some feedback, by all means, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail at the top, which allows you to record a message and fire it right into us. You can also just send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Whether it's a written email or a recorded audio clip, that is great. We love the recorded audio clips because after all, it's an audio show. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, which I'm trying to be a little bit more active on. Um, So thank you for everyone that has interacted that way. All righty, that's going to do it. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks so much for listening. Ciao.